Hi, I'm Pat Hand, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Wayne Fleet BIC Church. And we call it Follow Me, taken from the words of Jesus as he has invited people down through the centuries to become followers of Christ. And so we're in a teaching time of learning what does that mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Is that the same thing as being a Christian? What, what does it mean to, to uh, be called, I'm a follower of Christ? And so we're in the midst of a message. This is the fourth message in our series on how to follow Christ. And there's three things about being a follower of Jesus. And that is we strive to be with Jesus. And we, we've looked at some Bible uh, examples of that, of Peter walking to Jesus in the midst of the storm. He was walking on the water. And then Mary and Martha, uh, these two sisters that loved Jesus and, and they kind of showed it differently um, from each other on how they, how they followed Christ. And, um, and then we had a great story last week by Pastor Rene on the story of Zacchaeus, this, uh, this short guy who, who really shafted people, stole from them as a tax collector. And um, he meets Jesus, his life has changed, and, uh, and he's, just, he's just with Christ and he's acting like Jesus. He, he begins repaying what he had stolen. In fact, he multiplied it. Uh, in what he had taken from people. And, and his heart was touched and sensitive and tender. And so the three things, one is to be with Jesus. And then we began seeing with Zacchaeus that it, part of it is also um, acting like Jesus. And so we, we really see that unfold in the story that we're going to look at today. And that Jesus... Whoever he touched, he had this unbelievable way of seeing transformation of people who would act like him. And, and then the third thing is to love like Jesus. And so follow me um, is what he said to his disciples. Two words, follow me. They dropped their nets. They, they changed their whole life vocation. And so he's still asking people to do that today. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? If so, what does that look like in your life? You know, one writer put it this way, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be entirely fearless, absurdly happy, and that they would get into trouble. And you know, all three things happened to uh, the early church, the disciples, those 12 disciples who became church leaders. You know, I, I have to believe, as he described um, what it means to follow him, uh, he had to be thinking of Paul. Maybe you've heard of him called St. Paul. Uh, he, was, he was a guy that really was the poster boy uh, for following Jesus. And it's amazing and miraculous. His name used to be called Saul. And then when he became a follower of Christ, his name changed to Paul. And um, Irish playwright uh, Oscar Wilde uh, once said, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. Oh, what a past. Saul, who became Paul. Saul, 
uh, he had a notorious, a nefarious past. You know, he was born into a wealthy Jewish family who were Roman citizens, which meant they probably had bought their Roman citizenship. They lived in Tarshish, which is located in what's now southern Spain. It's just north of Gibraltar. He was raised in the Jewish religion, and he was raised in the most conservative of the, in the Jewish religion called uh, Pharisees, uh, Pharisaical. And so his Jewish orthodoxy was very conservative, very narrow. He certainly believed in following the law. In fact, following the law is basically what would usher in the promised Messiah. If more people would follow the law, then the Messiah would come. And, and so here he was as a young man. He's hearing about Jesus. And the church back then was called the way. Those are people of the way. And that's taken from something Jesus said uh, in the book of John. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And so um, people outside of that religion looked at these believers and said, oh, they're people of the way from what Jesus had said. And so here is Saul, who wasn't crazy about the teachings of the way. And, and what is this having faith in, in, in a dead man who hung from a cross, he hung from a tree? And besides that, the Old Testament said, cursed is anybody that hangs on a tree. So Saul grew up hating the way he grew up hating the fact they're getting in the way of the Messiah coming because they're disrupting, they're discounting the law. Here they are, they're worshiping this dead man, Jesus, who died on a cross and, and he's dead. And he's got these teachings, love your enemies? What, what's that all about? So Saul is a young man, had an intense hatred for Jesus and his teachings and the Bible shows us in the book of Acts that he was actually holding the coats when one of the early church leaders, Stephen, was taken and he was martyred for his faith. He was stoned. That is, he was thrown in the middle of a crowd and people threw these big rocks at his head and at his chest. And it was for the purpose of killing. It would be a very unpleasant way to go. And yet it's interesting Stephen prayed for him and the others who were throwing the rocks. Father, do not lay this sin against them, Stephen prayed. Wow. Ah, that's amazing that in his last words on earth, he's asking God to forgive them. And I think this grace and the forgiveness that he exuded, that Stephen exuded, I think Saul must have just bitterly chased down Christians with a vengeance to, to drown out God's love that he saw on display that day. Because Saul, as he got older, he became a, like a bounty hunter. He became like, a, like a, uh, his own super team of, of going into uh, towns in Asia Minor and other places and going into the synagogues and routing out people who followed Jesus who believed that Jesus wasn't a dead guy, that he was resurrected, and that he was alive. 
And that was just way too much for Saul to even put credence to or understand. And so he busted up families and he took people, extradited them back to Jerusalem where they would stand trial and some were imprisoned and some were martyred for their faith. That is what Saul did for a living. This religious terrorist was responsible for lives lost, families separated, and Saul thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was serving God by doing that. We, we seem to define uh, Saul, who became Paul. We, we seem to, when we think about Paul, we define his greatest sin with persecuting Christ followers. But really what defined his guilt, think about this, was the fact that he ignored God's grace and love in the person of Jesus Christ. He wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He wanted nothing to do with what God had prophesied in the Old Testament, that, that Jesus had come to this earth, born in Bethlehem, and here he was, virgin born. Yes, miraculous birth, a supernatural birth and that he was God in human flesh, Emmanuel, the Old Testament called him. God in human flesh. And he lived this perfect life. And these powerful teachings that he gave were really amazing. And then Jesus went to the cross and took our sins upon himself. He became a substitute. He became a ransom. He redeemed us. He paid our sin debt. And then he went into the grave. And three days later, the Bible teaches that he came for, that he came forward. And really, it wasn't just what the Bible says about it. It is the fact that all of these disciples who ran out on him when he was taken in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was paraded in front of a court and the Jewish leaders trumped up charges against him and then they, they put him on the cross after being whipped and, and being horrifically handled uh, in, in just a terrible way, torture. And then he dies. His disciples are disgusted. They are disillusioned. But something happened because these disillusioned men, three days later, began following Jesus with a zeal they had never had before. And so we see that here, they believed, they saw with their own eyes that Jesus was alive. He had resurrected. It changed their life. They, they, they became champions. They became these uh, early church fathers. They became these missionaries with zeal and excitement and joy. Something happened for that to, uh, to be pr produced in their life. And we believe that that was the resurrection. Well, Saul had never seen that or heard that. He just thought Jesus was in the grave. So here he is. He's on a trip to Damascus, a trip that, that he would never forget. Have you ever been on a trip that you'll never forget? Maybe a honeymoon, and it was this perfect trip for the two of you, and it was just amazing, you know? 
Or maybe you've taken a trip like Carol and I, an unforgettable trip to Botswana where we had a missions partnership. And our first trip there, uh, Carol and I took some extra suitcases of supplies and our car was full. We got to the airport, met up with our team, and we flew to Johannesburg, South Africa, where we were going to spend the night. And uh, we're in our rooms and uh, everybody's trying to get some sleep. Luggage didn't catch up with them. And so we're just, we're just trying to get by. I woke up in the middle of the night, sat up, bolt straight in the bed, and I said, Carol, I don't have your suitcase. Well, Carol said, well, of course, nobody does. Remember, our, we didn't get our luggage in Johannesburg. No, no, no. I'm saying you don't have your suitcase. I didn't pack it. And sure enough, Carol's suitcase was in the living room, neatly packed with 10 days worth of clothes and supplies. Yeah, that was an unforgettable trip to Botswana that she didn't forget, and I sure didn't forget. Um, so Saul was about to take an unforgettable trip. He, he, was, uh, he was Hurricane Saul about to de descend on Damascus, and there's about 30 or 40 synagogues there, and he was going to go into each one and rout out all the people that considered themselves followers of Jesus. He was going to extradite them back to Jerusalem for trial and, um, and more. But not on that day. He's on this road going to Damascus. He's got uh, this mission on his mind. And all of a sudden, Acts chapter 9 says that this bright light, brighter than the sun, began shining on him. And, and Jesus appears to him and begins chatting with him. And, 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 and so Saul says, who are you? And Jesus replies, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Saul is stunned. He's saying, what? You're alive? You're real? And then he said, <laughs> he said, what do you want me to do? You see, the foundation for, for Paul's new faith, I just told you a second ago, really wasn't the scripture so much as much as actually knowing that Jesus resurrected from the dead. It's the foundation for all we believe and how we practice as Christ followers today. And when Saul realized, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Saul's life was never the same. By the way, you come to a place in your life, if you were to simply Ask Jesus, Lord, what is it you want me to do? Number one, when you acknowledge him as Lord, recognizing who he is, and when you submit yourself to him and, and you're saying, I can't do this life by myself. Uh, this life is bigger than I am. I, I need some hope. I, I need direction. I, I need something bigger than myself in my life. I need that kind of comfort. I need that kind of peace. When you say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? That is the telltale sign of a Christ follower. One who constantly says, Jesus, what is it you want me to do? And his teachings can always answer that question. And the Holy Spirit inside us teaches us how to follow 
Jesus and, and follow him as our savior, follow him as the boss of our life. And we go on this lifelong adventure of following Jesus and his teachings that he gave us when he was on this earth. But you know what's interesting? The, the story of Paul is not complete unless also we know the story of Saul. And, and that's the truth. And with most of us, that would be the truth. Our future is shaped uh, by our past. Our story isn't complete without the early chapters of our life. We may not like how our life has gone. We may not like the early chapters of our life, but the fact is they have made us who we are, for good or for bad. They have made us who we are. These chapters are important and we all have a story. You're, you're watching me right now or you're listening to me while you're doing some other things. And I just want to say your story and my story are very powerful. Um, you don't have to be a, a terrorist to have a story. Uh, your life is a, is a beautiful story of success and failure. The happy times and the sad times, the victories, the, the defeats, the ups that we've gone up and the downs that we've gone down, the rights and the wrongs and the good and the bad, the love that we've had and the hate that's been there, giving and taking, running from God. And, and maybe we're at this place of maybe we're seeking after God and the grace of God and the love of God. Your story is not over till you die. And really, it continues after that, as we see in the Apostle Paul. He's with Jesus today. He's in heaven. I would urge you today, whether you're a Christ follower or maybe you're just kind of sticking your toe in the water trying to find out what it's all about, embrace your story because God knows your story and God cares about your story. You know, Saul began with life in Tarshish. Um, Paul began with new life in Damascus. What, what is your Saul to Paul story? You know, my Saul to Paul was I began life in Kermit, Texas. And then I began new life as a teenager in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, south of Nashville. Now, I didn't have a Damascus Road experience. I, I was a, a 15-year-old preacher's kid uh, with basically no chip on my shoulder. I, I loved church. And I love that my parents were in ministry. Overall, I think a good kid, but the fact is spiritually, I was lost as a goose in a blizzard until the summer of 1970. Yeah, that's a long time ago. I was working at a camp, um, a Bible camp, and I, I, heard, I heard a message one evening that, it just really spoke to my heart. It really, I didn't want to just be a religious guy. I, I didn't want to just be some guy that had gone to church and I knew the hymns. And I really wanted to become a follower of Jesus and not just the religious life from a pastor's home. Rather, I wanted a Saul to Paul. I wanted my life to become different. I wanted him. Lord, what is it? You want me to do Jesus I give my life to you I believe you're alive I believe you died on the cross for my sins I 
give my life to you. Thank you for your forgiveness. What is it you want me to do? What is your Saul to Paul? And have you had that experience? Paul's life was never the same. And he never looked back. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, in Paul's own words, he said, You know, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are passed away. And behold, all things become new. What he was saying is that, you know, when I say to Jesus, Lord, what is it you want me to do? When I give my life to him, when I follow him, there's this supernatural event where God literally comes to live inside of us. Uh, you've heard the expression, your body's a temple. Well, we are. That's coined from the Bible. Uh, when we give our life to the Lord, he literally becomes a presence in our life. I know. It's supernatural. It really is. It's not just a religious event. This is something that is soul-changing, life-changing. And, and he, begins work, he begins working on us from the inside out. It's a, it's a wonderful thing what God does. And if you look at Jesus, if you look at the ministry that he had with people, when you read about him in the New Testament, whoever he touched was never the same. Saul became Paul. And, and here's the part about his future. Every sinner can have a future. Think about that. We're all sinners. We've all done things we shouldn't do, that we're not proud of. Every one of us can have a future. We can have a purpose. We can have a reason for getting up. I, I recently read some writing by an older gentleman in his 90s who lamented that the older he became, the less his life had any meaning or purpose for being alive. Now, I will tell you this morning, I'm not 90. I've been accused of being 90, but I'm not 90. But as a follower of Jesus, I can honestly say that my wife, Carol, that Carol and I, we're in our mid-60s. We have this great sense. We, we just feel like that we're on an adventure of working in Jesus' kingdom, of, of working in his church. That, that there's these eternal outcomes in the balance. And all around us, there are these many opportunities just to be the hands and the feet of Jesus to our church community, uh, right here at Waynefleet or out in our community or, or overseas in different places where we've gone to, to help. And, and simply, Jesus cries out to all of us today. He cries out, follow me. Follow me. Every saint has a past. And that is, well, past. And all of us can be sinners with a future and with a purpose and a plan. Lives with great meaning. Just as Saul discovered when he became Paul. And there's no time to waste. Jesus has a plan for your life and my life. There's this adventure in his kingdom, in, in, in what he's doing on this earth. There's this great adventure he wants you to be a part of. And it's an adventure that, 
that will change our lives and it'll take us from Saul to Paul. And it won't be boring, nor will it be without risk-taking. And this is adventure that is bigger than ourselves. It has eternal meaning. It has purpose. And by the way, what adventure doesn't? And we have been brought to this moment and our hearts desire something bigger than ourselves. Something infinite instead of finite and temporary. Something that's eternal and real. And just as as God the Father called on His Son, Jesus, and Jesus obeyed Him, so it begins with a call to be like Jesus by surrendering ourselves to Him, just as He did to His own Father, and by simply saying, okay, Lord, not only do I want to be with you, I want to act like you. Lord, I want to follow you. I, I want to uh, emulate you. I, that's what I want to do. And that's what he's calling us to do. Jesus is calling right now. And he's calling you today, today to follow him by being with him, acting like him, and loving like he does. Believe me, this is not in a religious this is not a religious journey that any of us are being asked to take. This is a personal. This is a Jesus, what is it you want me to do? We are way beyond uh, just religion here in this story. This is following Jesus Christ. I'm going to pray for you before I go today. And, and maybe, maybe you made that decision to be a follower of Jesus, and maybe you've just kind of strayed off the path that he's had for you. Or maybe today you really have questions. You have, you have these, this sense that you need Jesus, but you don't understand what that all means. You're looking for some hope. You're looking for something that's really infinite and real. I would love to help you. And by very simply, you can reach out by email, pat at waynefleetbic.com. We would love for you to do that. Uh, it'd be a privilege to email with you or maybe catch up on a phone call or, or somehow uh, be able to meet uh, in a safe, appropriate um, COVID way. The point is, we're here to help. And that's what our teaching ministry, Follow Me, is all about. And I'm so glad you're, you're here today. Thanks for listening, for being a part of it. Let us help in any way that we can. Well, until next time, take care. God bless you.